In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes can cost far more than dollars, one oil and gas sales expert, one HSE professional, and the greatest PPE provider on the planet must come together. Two men, one brand, one mission. Red Wings Oil and Gas HSE Podcast with Mark LaCour and Patrick Pister starts now. Hey, it's Mark LaCour, and this show is for everybody who has an interest in HSE in the oil and gas industry. Brought to you by Red Wing, the leaders in PPE, ensuring your people go home safe every day. And this is episode 27. Joining me today is my astute co-host, Patrick Pister. Hey, yo, Mark. How are you doing today? Man, it's been a great week. We've been busy as heck. We just got back from Nape. We had some good interviews out there. Um, it's The weather's actually cleared up. Um, it's it's just a good week. And we got busy a couple of weeks. Nape, the IDC conference, it's been, a, it's been a whirlwind these last couple of weeks. Yeah. And we're actually sitting where, Patrick? We are in Caterpillar's office here in Houston, Texas. Yep. And Caterpillar, if, if nobody knows, Caterpillar, how long has Caterpillar been around? Over 100 years. Yeah, about 90 years. 90 years, yep. So any big piece of heavy equipment that's out there in the oil patch, the odds are it has cat on the side of it for a reason. They build some of the best equipment out there, and they also build a whole bunch of other stuff. And we actually have some guests today, Patrick, don't we? We have uh, Diana and Bala from the land rig, uh, land drilling side of things. So welcome to the show, you two. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, so when we start talking about land side of things, obviously we're not talking about things that are offshore, but you know, Caterpillar, when, when I think of Caterpillar, I think of equipment. I think of earth moving equipment, dump trucks, bulldozers, everything. But Caterpillar is actually way more than that, isn't it? Yeah, within Caterpillar, we have uh, a division called the Energy and Transportation Division. And anything that doesn't involve our mining equipment or construction equipment that you see on the side of the road, uh, falls into energy and transportation. So this group within energy and transportation is responsible for like power gen applications. You know, we have an electric power division where we sell gen sets into. We have a mining division where we sell engines and transmissions into for, uh, you know, pleasure craft, large off- offshore supply vessels. We also have a rail division where we manufacture rail and, you know, put engines and gensets into into rail cars. And last but not least is the oil and gas division where we sell reciprocating engines into the oil and gas market. In addition to that, we also have our sister company, Solar Turbines, that CAD acquired back in the 1980s. And uh, they make turbines uh, also in the oil and gas, for the oil and gas applications, as well as electric power space. Yeah, so you covered a whole bunch of stuff out there. So um, we were talking about this earlier at lunch. We, when we did the API Young Professionals Offshore Rig Tour, when we went onto that rig, it had four huge cat gen sets out there. And the gen set's a generator set for our audience that doesn't know what we're talking about. But y'all do way more than that. Y'all are also on the production side as well. Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, our engines and gen sets are used in the production space for production power in the oil field, both land and offshore. We have engines that run on different types of gas or fuels. Yeah. And so, but you also do things, so, you know, things like gas compression. When I think of gas compression, I don't think of Caterpillar, but y'all are like right smack in the middle of that. Yeah, absolutely. We have a wide range of products that, you know, can burn any type of gas. And we continue to invest in that technology because we think gas is here to stay and you need something to move the gas. And so our gas compression engines, along with the packages, are 
out in the field. Yeah. Yeah. And so what's cool about this, if, if when you think about the oil and gas industry, oil and gas industry is, is risk adverse and oil and gas industry likes things that are reliable. And so, you know, I've, I've known Caterpillar for a long time, like I said, from their their heavy equipment operations, but it just makes sense that if I have a mission critical piece of equipment out there that has to run like gas compression um, or generator sets an offshore rig or any type of pumping facility, that if you have a cat power plant, you have a cat engine, you're looking at buying some one of the most reliable power plants out there so that your, your production doesn't stop. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, re- we realize that reliability and durability and uptime is absolutely critical in the oil and gas space. So we do every we, everything we can to minimize that. You know, we have a very rigorous new product introduction program that we validate and test engines in the lab, in the field, before we release them to the market. And we really don't want to be the cause of any downtime. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think I'd add there that Caterpillar is uniquely positioned because if Caterpillar portfolio is so large, that the engines, whatever used in oil and gas industry, right, is also used elsewhere, like the machine applications as well. So because of the Caterpillar portfolio being so large, the engines get tested in such a wide range of application. Design itself is so robust. So when finally the engine goes to the field, the, ca- the customers realize the value that Caterpillar is bringing in because of the reliability and durability we are able to bring to the field because of the wide portfolio that Caterpillar is playing in. And so, also, so even if it's a new category you're going into it's probably a tested equipment from another another space so right. like you said that oil and gas is very risk averse and that that you don't say talk about downtime or non-productive time that, that's a big no-no but yeah so you've got tested equipment coming into the field so you it's not as big of a risk as bringing a new completely new product into the field right so i'll give you an example right for example take the 3500 series engines that's a bread and butter for the oil and gas industry okay so that engine itself is used in marine applications, is used in machines and large mining trucks. It is used in oil and gas industry, both in uh, offshore land and gas compression, as well as the land drilling segment. So that the that, that base platform is used in such a wide range of application, the, num- the number of times that the engine has been tested in various applications is, is enormous. So that's where we bring the value. That's where Caterpillar is able to provide engine that's so reliable because of the wide portfolio we play in there. Yeah, so those engines have been exposed to every environmental variable. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and exactly. every geographic area yeah, in the world because Caterpillar is so big. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So not, not, not many many companies can claim that. Um, and Caterpillar is uniquely positioned because of the big portfolio we play under. And one of the things we talked about at lunch I thought was earlier, we talked a little bit about emissions. So Caterpillar has to stay ahead of not just emission changes in the U.S., but probably every country in the world. And so y'all help your clients make sure that whatever engine sets they're buying are in compliance for that part of the world. And, and you know, that's go, kind of going above and beyond. Um, the fact that y'all actually test from those current emissions. We were actually talking earlier about, was it last year that y'all had to worry about a certain emission standard that was coming, coming on board? So uh, tier four emissions has been a huge undertaking for Caterpillar, especially for non-road equipment. And like Bala alluded to, you know, for Caterpillar, we've had to meet tier four emissions, not just not only in our equipment, but also in energy and transportation applications. So we have that, you know, wide portfolio, lots of validation hours on this emissions technology. And the U.S. and Canada are leading the emissions change. So 
some of the other countries are adopting the U- EU and the U.S. standards. And so it becomes very easy for us to adopt, you know, to provide products into markets outside of North America as well, because the emissions technologies that we're using here can be leveraged across the globe. What are some of the Tier 4 requirements or things that you had to change within Caterpillar's equipment to meet Tier 4? So Tier 4 emissions, uh, are so stringent that there's... uh, limitations on what we can do just within the engine so it drives us to an after treatment so it's after treatment essentially is a device that you put in the exhaust stream that helps reduce NOx on particulate matters carbon monoxide uh, VOCs and so you're looking at things like catalytic converters almost it sounds like to me and then maybe also does the f- I guess the fuel matters as well right so it has to have the right fuel mm-hmm in the engine to help you meet those tier four requirements. Right. So basically the requirement is that ultra low sulfur diesel. So going to tier four, ultra low sulfur diesel is a must. Okay. So, but if you think about US, right, we US went ultra low sulfur diesel quite a while ago. So the availability of fuel is not an issue in the United States and Canada, but any, anytime you go outside US, then that's going to be an issue. But US, we are okay from a fuel standpoint. So like you mentioned catalytic converter, right? So catalytic converter, I guess that's a more common thing that's used in automotive application. But when you come to these big engines, we got some similar catalyst uh, and uh, that's been used as well, for example, right? So uh, if you look at the engines that we like, we talked about 3500, right? So 3500, we do have uh, diesel oxidation catalyst that goes along with it, right? So that basically helps us to reduce the engine out emissions coming out of the uh, coming out of the engine so that's that's different technologies have been used so caterpillar being such an uh, uh, has such a big wide portfolio of uh, engines that we we manufacture right so we pick technology very specific to a certain application right so and we cater to that application so for example a marine a same engine 3500 series engine on a marine application will use a different uh, emissions reduction technology but on land application, based upon the customer requirements, we use a different. Uh, we go for a different technology. But at the end of the day, all engines meets the tier four regulations. Gotcha. Okay, but it's very specific to the customer requirements. Very specific to this industry. Yeah. So if that engine's running a drill rig on land, it's yeah. going to be configured slightly different than if it's running a gen set versus if it's running an offshore pump or uh, get it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, in the fuel, you're not running Bunker C that you have offshore on land. You've got much you know, yeah. higher quality fuels that you, you're running through that equipment. Yeah. Right. And it's the ultra-low sulfur diesel that's required, that's, avail- that's been available for the on-highway truck emissions since like 2007 time frame. To add to that, you know, when we develop our product strategy, we don't do it in a vacuum. You know, we go out, we canvas our customers, we try to understand what's important to them from an operation standpoint, and we work with our engineering organization to develop products that meet the customer requirements. So, you know, specific to land drilling, our customers said, hey, we do not want to use a second fluid to meet emissions, which was urea or, uh, you know, ad blue, they call it. And so we took that upon ourselves to develop a technology that would minimize that operational impact on the customer. And so what we've done is developed a NOx reduction system. Uh, It's commonly known as EGR in the industry. 
on the engine to reduce NOx, and then we have uh, an after-treatment that reduces some of the hydrocarbons. We've updated a lot of fuel systems, our air system technology on the engine itself to, so as to not impact the performance of the engine, you know, to maintain the same power, uh, same reliability, same durability while meeting the low emissions. Yeah, so when you say not NOx, what is that? Is that nitrous oxide? Yeah, NOx. It's nitrous N- oxide. Nitrous yeah. oxide. Oxides yeah. of nitrogen. Yeah. So, so NO-, NO plus NO2. Yeah. 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 So it's just some of the, the common pollutants that come out of an internal combustion engine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so and, and NOx is basically what causes smog. Okay. okay. So. Yeah. Okay. So the funny thing is we keep talking about technology here. And, um, you know, I don't normally think of Caterpillar as a technology company. But now that we've brought that up, I mean, you almost have to be a technology company to, to stay competitive out there. So one of the things we talked about is actually something y'all brought up was called smart power management. What is that? So smart power management is essentially a system that optimizes the power from the engines to the rig. So this system automatically basically starts and stops engines only when it's needed uh, to provide power only when it's needed. Traditionally, what we've seen is, you know, drilling customers are drilling contractors, they tend to run all three engines, all four engines at a very light load. And for a diesel engine, that's a very inefficient point of operation. Or for any engines, any reciprocating engine, it's very inefficient. So smart power management uh, looks at the total load demand from the rig and automatically turns on and turns off engines to keep them in a higher load operating point, which tends to be the more efficient operating point. So, so you're actually driving efficiencies, but at the same time you're reducing engine wear because they're not sitting there in that light load environment just idling along. Absolutely. Uh, that is really cool. Um, that has to drive both cost savings and reliability out in the field at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. So the fuel savings has been the main driver. I think this uh, downturn the last two years has caused operators and drilling contractors to look at different ways to do things and to, you know, reduce their costs so they can make more money drilling, right? Or at least break even in the last couple of years, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What Um, about the reliability of starting back up? I mean, you probably keep, keep them in on all the time so you can just ramp it up when you need it but the risk associated with having to start up from, from a cold state. With this new smart, uh, smart power management, is there a risk to it not starting up on when you need it? So what we've done is provided the, the smart power management basically has a interface with the driller or the motorman that if the driller knows that he needs an engine you know, coming up in the next few minutes, he pushes this add engine button and it starts the the engine that's not running. And typically a warm engine uh, really doesn't take a lot to come online and take load right away. But we've built a lot of features into the smart power management to ease the concerns that you describe, right? So the driller's comfortable knowing that, you know, if he needs another engine, it, it is there when he needs it. Yeah, I guess you add the risk if he's not comfortable, he just starts it up and has it running high for longer than he needs it. And yeah, absolutely. And then the system, if if he starts the engine and he continues to run it and the system doesn't see the need to run the engine, it shuts it down, but he can always start it back up okay. again. And they can always go out of the automatic mode into the manual mode if they want to keep run, running engines the old way. 
Okay. So, Dan, I have to ask you, you know, we know this industry, and this industry doesn't like change, and you basically are, Caterpillar's bringing something that's a change, right? It's a beneficial change, but a change. But when y'all first started introducing this and the operators bringing it online, was it a hard thing for them to actually let the system run these engines? Like, did, did it have to take some time for them to actually trust that the Caterpillar uh, system was doing its job? Yeah, one of the customers we worked with, it did take us a while, first of all, to convince them you know, to even test the system on the rig. Um, but now that they've tested it, they they really like it. You know, they're, they're, there's a screen in the driller's cabin that shows how much power each engine's running, how much power is available, and, you know, they're, they're comfortable. But, yeah, it's a matter of time and m- demonstrating the capability of the system to them. Yeah, Patrick, this goes back to the thing we've talked about a lot is how a lot of the experience have left this industry. So the old guy running the, the drill rig probably knew from, even if he couldn't articulate, he knew when he needed power, how far ahead of time he had to warm that engine up because he's done it for 30 years. Whereas the younger people that are coming in don't have that that knowledge and that that um, experience. But with the Caterpillar system, they don't need it. The, the system itself can make sure everything's powered up when it needs to be, everything's warmed up. So you're, you're kind of actually helping some of the younger people come to the industry, make sure they do their job well. Right, so basically it's more of a uh, safety thing, right? So basically we want the people on the field, in the field, to do their job, which is basically put a hole in the ground, like the way they say it, right? So we basically want to take care of the engine. So we will make sure the power is available for the driller when it's they need it. So let Caterpillar take care of the engines. We know the engines best. We know how to get the best performance out of these engines. So let us manage the engines. You guys well, let the, uh, the, uh, the trick crew put the uh, manage the putting the hole in the ground. Yeah, and it, God, that's, that's actually really cool. So it's one less thing for them to have to worry about. Exactly. And yeah. at the same time, your system doesn't sleep, right? Doesn't get tired. No. Doesn't have a bad day because it got an argument with its wife. Um, <laughs> you know, the system the system is always there up and running. So it's, right. it's almost peace of mind to have that run in the background. Yeah. So yeah. is this actually new technology that you've developed for the land uh, drilling side of things, or is this something you've adopted from another sector? And I ask that because I'm, you know, my background is deep water offshore drilling, and you've got a DP console that has all your engines and shows you what, you know, what load they're at and what you've got available. Again, I was also used to, you know, slow speed marine Caterpillar engines offshore. So, is this something you've adopted from the offshore power management system, or is this a, a completely new system you've designed? This is a, a completely new system that we've designed specific to land drilling applications. Now we have, you know. That's the beauty of Caterpillar being such a large company and having this wide portfolio. We have leveraged some of this technology from the electric power side of things. And what enables smart power management is essentially a control box called the EMCP 4.4, which uh, we've leveraged from the electric our electric power group, and they had some basic, uh, what they called load sense, load demand capabilities. We've taken that and adopted it to the specific requirements of land drilling applications. Okay, so taking the best of land drilling and taking the best of your power management, that's, yeah. Yeah. So I guess this kind of goes back to the reliability of the product, right? So that this whole EMCP has been proven in the EP application, the electric power application. All we're doing is taking this uh, reliable product and trying to use it in a different application. So we're just making sure it's available for a different set of customers. 
Yeah, and you know, it's on land right now. It's um, the evolution of rig technologies is, is happening at a rapid pace. Um, the rigs now are much higher horsepower than they were just a couple years ago. Uh, they can move themselves now. So this actually, I can see how this fits perfectly in there. You can have all the output of a high horsepower rig without the constant fuel consumption, right? You only need that, you know, that power. Cat provides all that high horsepower only when it's needed, right? And then the rest of the time, you're not burning, you're not wasting fuel. Exactly. Yeah, what cool stuff. Now, here's something else. It's, um, and, and we talked about this on the oil and gas this week, probably a year or two ago, was that companies are starting to look at using well gas um, in their engines, in their gensets. And I think Caterpillar is one of the leaders in that. Do y'all know anything about that? Yeah, so uh, back in 2012, you know, we saw actually prior to that, it was in the 2009 timeframe, you know, when uh, gas started becoming abundant. A lot of our customers, uh, our, our end users, right, the ENPs that had a lot of gas available were asking for ways to consume that, uh, not just in the gas compression application, but also for drilling and pressure pumping. So CAT did develop a system called a, it's called the Caterpillar Dynamic Gas Blending System. It's a retrofit kit that you can put on on a diesel engine and it'll burn both diesel and gas at the same time while maintaining the same power and same reliability and durability and it's been in operation both on the pressure pumping side as well as the drilling side since 2012. yeah well that was ancient history 2012 that was five years ago y'all were way ahead of the curve and we have about a million hours on all our engines running in the field. One million hours. That's crazy. A million, <laughs> over a million hours. Or a million hours of all the, all the uh, engines running in the field. Yeah, and just to be clear to our audience, when we say gas, we're actually talking about natural gas. And, and when I said wellhead gas, this is, a, this is an issue, is that the gas that comes out of the ground from oil wells is not perfect to run an engine on. It has a high, um, is it sulfuric? Hydrogen sulfide. H2S. Yeah, H2S, high, uh, H2S concentration. The, the quality of the gas varies minute to minute so that the systems that run the engine have to actually be pretty robust and pretty smart to keep that engine running at the right amount of output because the fuel source varies literally from every couple of minutes. The way H2S eats up downhole equipment, I can't imagine what it does to a, an engine that's supposed to be running and, and powering your rig. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but the advantages to the people out in the field is they didn't have to worry about having a, a gen set and fuel for that separate fuel for that gen set, which typically was diesel, which typically was a cost, which means you had to haul the diesel in. Um, why, no, why, not, why not just run your electrical generators from the gas that's coming off the well that you're drilling? So, man, I can't believe you're all that far ahead of the curve. And speaking of things like electrical gen sets, am I wrong? Does Cal, isn't Caterpillar also make electric motors? Yes, we do make electric motors, uh, primarily for the gas compression market. Yeah, so that's something we got into here about a year and a half ago. Yeah, so y'all are y'all are basically figuring out what parts of that gas compression need your help, and then y'all just build it, right? So it starts off with the 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 engine set, then if you need the actual transmissions, I think y'all also build transmissions too, don't y'all? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. and that's that's uh, another example of where we've leveraged our. Uh, mining technology. So our mining trucks use the TH55 transmission that kind of is the workhorse of the oil field today. I mean, that TH55 transmission is an absolute beast. And it's used on uh, pressure pumping trailers, you know, behind a CAD engine, or basically we work with customers (laughs) for whatever they want (laughs) to use, you know, our products for. Yeah, so the TH55 has uh, has done very well in the pressure pumping market and 
we've accumulated lots of hours on that transmission as well. And the life to an overhaul on one of those transmissions is in excess of, you know, 10 to 12,000 hours. Wow. Hey, Patrick, don't, don't you want to give Diana, uh, like, some type of product uh, number quiz? Like, she knows everything yeah, about the actual I'm, product I'm actually number. writing them all down because <laughs> she's throwing them at me. But <laughs> I was uh, uh, a well-serviced uh, product definition manager in a few years ago, so I'm very, very well aware of the, the well-service segment. Yeah, we could not have told that at all. Um, and so when you're talking about uh, pressure pumping, pressure pumping is basically what a frack, frack job is, right? Yes, that so, essentially is what it is. Yeah, yeah. And so y'all are heavily involved in that too. So when, when one of the service companies shows up to actually frack a well, odds are that's CAT equipment running that, that frack job. It's a, it would be a CAT engine, a CAT transmission, a CAT pump. Yep. And as of December last year, we acquired Kemper valves and seats for that make the high-pressure uh, flow iron that connects from the trailer, the pressure-pumping trailer, to the wellhead. Yeah, so y'all own it basically cradle from grave. It's just yeah. sitting on somebody else's flatbed. Absolutely. And <laughs> it gives us an opportunity, you know, having that whole – having – manufacture the whole system and understanding how those different components work it gives us the advantage to better make all those systems work together better and it goes back to improving efficiency reducing downtime and keeping the reliability and durability yeah and so the cool thing about this though is y'all now understand the process in oil and gas literally from from start to finish which means that when you build your equipment whether it's a motor or a gen set or a transmission it's built to survive and to be help the oil and gas companies be profitable and also to be safe right it's a cat i know caterpillar has a strong hsne culture it's actually why we have you on the show caterpillar as a company and i know this from personal experience you want your people to go home safe every day and 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 you want your customers to go home safe every day Absolutely. And that's, you know, every year we have to put our goals together for the year and safety is our number one goal. Yeah. Absolutely. And anything we do, any products we we manufacture, we design, you know, we make sure it's done safely. It has a safety element to it and can be used by our customers safely. If it doesn't work, we stop and go back and fix it. So I guess like talking about smart power management, right? Safety was one of the core requirement when it comes to smart power management and, and it plays very well into the oil and gas application. Basically, what I, what I mean is on smart power management, the engines are starting and stopping automatically, right? So the, uh, the motor hand or the rig crew doesn't have to go to the uh, engine house to start and stop engines, right? So you're eliminating a possibility. I mean, we're not saying they, it's hazardous to go into the engine room, but from a uh, noise standpoint, from a heat standpoint, you don't have to go there. So these engines are starting and stopping automatically. And by having these uh, remote control, like for example, the uh, the uh, the motor hand can start engines from his cabin, right? So that kind of really eliminates people from going into an environment where they could come into contact with heavy equipment, right? So well, and there's an inherent hazard with starting any piece of equipment up. Exactly, if you're right yeah. there starting it up, right. and you don't follow the exact procedures for that startup, and I've seen some bad situations where right. procedures weren't followed, yeah. automating that is a great way to take that human element out of it. Exactly. So, yeah, so that really plays well into the, from talking about safety, uh, our smart power management plays well into this whole uh, safety uh, concept. Yeah, an overwhelming theme in, in this show and in, in, in the industry is the more you can take people out of the equation, the safer it is for everybody, for all the people and also for the equipment. Um, this is a good place to pause, Patrick. It's actually time to do our Red Wing Safety Tip of the Week. And we're going to have Caterpillar provide our Red Wing Safety Tip of the Week this week. Do you have one? 
Yeah, I think the big one for me was, uh, you know, make sure you wear your hard hats on location. Those hard hats are to protect your head, not to accumulate safety stickers. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I was on a site last week and if it wasn't for my hat, hard hat, I mean, I bumped my head into a solid piece of metal. And if it wasn't for my hard hat, something bad would have happened. Yeah, wear that PPE. That's awesome advice. It's, um, that's, if you don't wear it, it can't do its job. Yeah. Yeah, and speaking of Red Wing, it's actually time to do our bag winner. Patrick, you know who our bag winner is this week? <laughs> I know him personally, actually. That's what I heard. <laughs> uh, Brandon Vaughn, he's our bag winner. He's actually my nephew. He listens to the podcast. He's really interested in how it, it's all done. So I said, well, if you're a listener, you can go ahead and sign up for the bag winner. And, and sure enough, he got pulled. And Mark, we had nothing to do with this. We have absolutely nothing to do with this. Uh, Red Wing <laughs> Corporate pulls us at total random just because Red it's Wing Patrick. headquarters way far away, thousands yeah. of miles. Sure. <laughs> so you don't need to be related to Patrick to win a bag. <laughs> it, if you'd like to win a bag, it's really easy. No purchase necessary. See official site for rules and details. You can simply go to redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. That's redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. Put in your information. We pull one lucky winner a week. And like I said, you don't have to be related to anybody on the show. Um, we can't all be so lucky to be related to me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we're going to start winding things down. Um, before we let y'all out of here, it's, um, uh, you know, Diana Bala, I, I really appreciate your time. Caterpillar has a long uh, very prestigious history in the oil and gas industry. You know, it's we're, we're great to have you on the show. But is there any couple of last things that you want to leave our audience with about Caterpillar? So what I would like to say is, you know, Caterpillar uh, is continuing to innovate, to innovate, to make things better for our customers. We know that oil prices are probably going to be low for a while. And you know, our customers are looking for ways to improve efficiency and reduce costs. And that's where we would continue to invest to add value to our customer, including continuing to invest in meeting emissions as well as, you know, dual fuel technologies, improving diesel displacement with our dual fuel technologies. You know, we haven't stopped with our tier two dual fuel technology we're advancing that technology on to tier four so innovation and continuing to be there for our customers is is a big thing after all they pay our bills right? <laughs> that's right yeah and like i said caterpillar has this long robust history in oil and gas and will continue to have uh, its place here uh, patrick it's uh let's talk a little bit about our linkedin group the linkedin group the uh, oil and gas global network and you just type in oggn it pops right up uh, it's going to be the Second place, almost immediately after you find out about this show on the oilandgashsc.com website. It's a community. We share tips. We help each other out finding jobs. And um, it's not just for the podcast. It's a global oil and gas community. Yeah, and no spam. Every single post and every single person is approved by a real person. And I think we have the page machine actually out there ruthlessly making sure that people don't spam on this group. Yep, yep. And she, she handles all your, all your membership approvals. So uh, be nice to her. And then uh, reviews, um, I'm not going to talk about me break, breaking the, the feed because I've done that too many times, but Patrick, I found a, a, a how-to on how to actually leave a reviews in iTunes. We can throw that link in the show notes. It's uh, uh, HubSpot actually put a great tutorial together on how to leave reviews. So if you like the show, please leave Patrick and I a review. We really need some reviews. If you don't like the show, let us know what we could do to make it better, make it different. And then... Uh, Patrick mentioned the website, so it's oilandgashsne.com. If you want to, if you're a new listener and not quite sure how to uh, subscribe, go there. There must be 30 different ways to subscribe. Doesn't matter what type of smartphone you use, or your browser. You can just listen or to your it browser. there. Yeah, that's the same way on your browser. 
And then we have some new shows coming out. We've talked about before. We have oil and gas industry leaders come out. Hopefully in March we'll launch that one. And we're on the road. And in order to be on the road, we have an on-the-road sponsor. So our 2017 on-the-road sponsor is Lee Heck and Harrison. Um, they're global experts in talent management. So uh, Lee Heck and Harrison is currently helping over 75% of the Fortune 500 oil and gas company simplify the complexity of leadership and workforce transformation. So if you're an, if you're an oil and gas company and you have a workforce, check out Lee Heck and Harrison. They're doing some really great work. Patrick, we're going to be at Process Safety in March. We're going to be at Texas Open Innovation Conference at the end of March. We're going to be at SPE HSE Conference in New Orleans in April and, of course, at OTC in May. If you have a trade association, a group, an event, a company, meeting, or whatever, and you'd like Patrick and I to come do a podcast or actually come speak to your group, reach out to us. We'd be happy to share the details. Uh, that's about it. Once again, we want to thank Caterpillar very much. It's um, uh, great to have y'all sitting across the table from you. Uh, we learned a really uh, some really cool stuff. And actually, we want to do this again, huh, Patrick? We want to yeah, get Caterpillar back on the show. Yeah, um, absolutely. Your portfolio is so enormous. We probably could do one podcast a month. It'd probably take us 10 years to get to <laughs> everything we do. <laughs> um, and other than that, Patrick, was there anything else we need to cover? No, nah, let's do it. All right. So, folks, don't be afraid to give up the good to go for the great. Y'all be safe out there. Tune in next week for another exciting episode of Red Wings Oil and Gas HSC Podcast, a production of the Global Oil and Gas Network. Learn more from Mark LaCour at modalpoint.com. Connect with Patrick Pister at leanoilfield.com. From Houston to London to Dubai and beyond. I was. Uh, I wish I had a video of this, but I. This was back in uh, 2011. I was about. I was the well service product definition manager at that time, and you know I was going out to frac sites to learn about how our products were used, what we can do to make it better, and uh, I was about six months pregnant with my first child, and I. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't make um, FRs that really fit me <laughs> well so I had to stuff myself into this suit and I I was my it was my first time on a frac site and I was all over the place and I could see the nervousness on on the the operations folks's <laughs> face and and I started climbing the sand king <laughs> and and they were I I bet you they were nervous <laughs> and, and it, it didn't even like I it didn't occur to me not to do that. So, you know, three points of contact at all time with your PPE, you get up there. And so I wandered, got up there, wandered around the Sand King for a few minutes and uh, came back down and everybody heaved a sigh. <laughs> <laughs>